Hello, everybody. Grizzly again from Lexington, Kentucky. Coast to coast, all around the world. I have another special guest on the show today. Mr. Glenn Jackson. What an experience encounters that he is. And those who have Touched. seen it just run away scared. Investigated. Like man Went through over the years. 20 plus years earning his belt. Sit back and relax. Enjoy the show. Something's Mr. Jackson, welcome to the show. How are you doing today? Uh, not too bad. How about yourself? Great, great. Uh, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself? Oh, well, there's not a whole lot to say. Um, I'm currently fading into the background. I uh, <laughs> originally from Northern Virginia, Washington, D.C. area. Uh, grew up there, spent quite a bit of time in Tennessee. Go Vols. Football season's almost upon us. Um, and I guess uh i've been a firefighter paramedic for i don't even think about that 30 years 25 years i don't know it's been a minute so um but that's uh pretty much it i developed a love for going outdoors as a kid uh when uh we grew up in uh northern virginia it was rural and so we had lots of areas to roam not so much now if you live up there but right and then of course i spent all my summers in east tennessee so Got to stay out in the woods quite a bit there and uh, have a family that was uh, into uh, outdoor activities, uh, animals, all kinds of things like that. So always had a love for being outside and uh, adventure. I guess that's why I became an adrenaline junkie as a firefighter paramedic. Oh, I bet. I, I'm, I'm, I'm saying the stuff that you've probably seen over the years being a firefighter and a paramedic. <laughs> yeah, I could only imagine especially me being in law enforcement, the stuff I've seen probably is uh, nowhere near the stuff you have. So how did you get involved in, in Bigfoot and the cryptid world? Um, well, it, uh, it started out, like I said, we always were out in the kid in the woods as kids doing stuff. And, uh, the, uh, you know, the, the, the older folks, now I'm one of them. Don't go outside. You'll, you know, something will get you. You always hear that so we were always uh adventuresome looking to see what was going to get us um uh, when uh i guess it was probably the 70s eight now it would be the 70s probably been in the late 70s early 80s there was a uh, creature known as the mount vernon monster that uh roamed oh, wow. through a brief period of time of uh northern virginia up around uh, the washington dc area and so we would always uh, go out in the woods looking to see if we could get caught or catch it. So that's probably how uh, I got my start going out in the woods as far as looking for anything. How old was you? Uh, um, 14, 12, 14, I don't know. Preteen, teenager. Yeah. Brave going out in the woods looking for a monster. I mean. <laughs> oh, yeah, they didn't you get we we didn't believe in it, so I'll tell you, I don't know that I'd go out in the woods by myself alone now, but uh, 
Now, what is the Burnt Mountain Monster? Because a lot of people haven't probably heard of that one. Uh, the Mountain Monster is a Bigfoot-type cryptid uh, creature. Um, it was only in the northern Virginia area for a brief period of time, so a lot of people thought that maybe it was making its way from like one tribe to another in the south to the north. Uh, it might have been a young Bigfoot. Um, so, I mean... Of course, there's also people who said, oh, it was kids making noises with uh, speakers and cassette tapes back in the day. Um, I don't tend to believe that because, well, first off, well, I saw it. Second off, um, oh, wow. they had the military and uh, the local police department out there and the media. And so I think if it was probably some kids playing in the woods with uh, speakers and stuff, probably we would have known about them. But uh, <laughs> right. Or, right. Um, or there would have probably... Uh, been caught because that's a very uh, secure area up there. It's, oh, absolutely. Uh, yeah, the Mount Vernon estate, George Washington's home, I forget how many acres, it's hundreds of acres. Um, and then there's a military base right beside it. And of course, there's protected areas too with the Chesapeake Wildlife and the uh, Park Service. And uh, so there's plenty of, well, there's less now, like I said, but there was plenty of areas for a creature to roam. And uh, so yeah, that's kind of how I got started in this. Well, I tell you one thing: uh, the military is not going to be out there for no reason. That's for sure. Even though, like you said, if it was kids with loudspeakers and cassettes, that would be uh, something they would have found out real quick, and uh, everybody would have packed up and went home. So, yeah, yeah, I think also back then it probably would have been a little. Uh, easier to get caught <laughs> so, because uh, i mean i know we have technology and everything now but uh there wasn't such thing as wireless like so you had you had nine volt battery or probably d-cell batteries in a cassette player and some speakers in the woods i don't yeah, i don't think uh that would be uh something that you know is so portable and could move around so quickly and and evaded uh uh the virginia wildlife uh fairfax county police uh, in the military, and I'm thinking it was probably also involved uh, the uh, park police too. National, uh, well, I think it's nation's capital park police. But wow, uh, so, yeah, they, yeah, Fort Belvoir was definitely looking for. They utilized their helicopters and some of their uh, soldiers. So they had soldiers. the whole fight going on. Yeah, it was actually kind of a big deal. It was, uh, it was uh, the Washington Post ran it. The local TV stations they even had helicopters out at night for the media. And that was way back before they did stuff like the police chases and the, you know, live scene stuff that they do now. So, um, so yeah, it was quite a big deal then. Now, you know, you you talk about the Mountain Vernon monster and sure. speakers and sounds. What kind of sounds are we talking about? Um. Well, <laughs> I'm showing my age now. It's been so many years since I heard it. I described it at the time as kind of like a cross between an alligator hiss and a uh, mountain lion. It was really hard. I've since heard there is some audio online of uh, the Mount Vernon monster recordings. And best I recall, that is pretty much the way I've heard it. But um it was something that left you going, definitely, what in the heck is that? You know, it was it was a deep guttural noise. I had turned my oh. grandson down, but apparently he doesn't want to be turned down on the speaker. Oh, there. that's okay. No big deal. <laughs> that's all right. 
I mean, 12, 14 years old, you know, was you out there when the military, the police, and everybody was working? Was you out there with them? Uh, no, I was not a part of that. Um, I was not a part of the search for it that way, at least. Uh, they uh, they would go home empty-handed almost every time they went out, so... Um, and I don't. Oh, so they made multiple I, trips. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. I don't recall them ever announcing when they were going out in the woods. I do know one area. Um, it got so bad that they actually had to have police set up on the side of the road and direct traffic uh, on uh, weeknights and during the summer because people would come and drive through a certain area of. Uh, it was a rural neighborhood, and so <laughs> they would have to hire police officers to come in and direct traffic and keep. Keep the peace. Because everybody wanted a peace and see what they can see. Even back then, everybody wanted to drive up beside the road, let out their whoop, and see if they could hear something in return, I guess. So, I wow. do know one police officer that uh, ran a call one night and uh, was supposedly a homeless person in uh, the dumpsters or trash cans, I guess. And um, <laughs> this is back, well, you're a police officer, so you know about the communications. They have emergency buttons on radio, so that if you get in trouble... Right. And all you got is a thumb you can push, call for help, and they should know where you're at. And uh, anyhow, he went to get this homeless person that was in the trash and uh, retrieved them, and it picked this officer up. He was a very large officer. Of course, like I said, I was a teenager at the time, but picked him up and threw him head over heels into the dumpster. And then Whoa. they retrieved him from the dumpster with the service revolver drawn in his emergency button sounding. And... His story was that it was a Bigfoot. So, but wow, yeah, I guess that would be uh, touched by a Bigfoot, wouldn't it? <laughs> yeah, that, that sure would be. Was that now, the close encounter of the third kind or something? I forget what they say when you're actually physically yeah. touched. That's uh, that's a little bit too personal for me. <laughs> yeah, I, I probably would have dropped dead of a heart attack. Well, I think uh, I would have, I'd probably still run. So, <laughs> isn't that the truth? So, you said earlier, a few moments ago, that you actually witnessed it or observed the monster. We did see it one night, me and a couple of my friends, Jess. Um, How'd that go down? Um, well, we uh, were hiking through the woods and um, we decided that we were going to be brave and uh go into a um it was a country club and so we went through the woods up you know staying off the greens or fairway or whatever it's called right and uh, uh so we were kind of trying to stay in the woods and see and we came upon a um it was like a little rise they said this is probably wasn't a very large area in a man-made pond of some sort if i recall or maybe just a you know a little creek and uh, we thought that there was somebody actually in the creek, you know, drinking or something. And we were kind of watching them. And, well, then suddenly we became watched and when this thing stood up. Um, it was very tall, very large, and uh, very nimble. <laughs> and we decided it was time to uh, get out of there as quickly as possible. And that's when we decided to stay on, on the green or the fairway or whatever. And uh, I'm not a... I'm not a round ball golf person, but, uh, wow. and, uh, and, uh, it's, it paralleled us along, um, in the wood line 
and it sounded like a car driving through the woods. Uh, we uh, cleared through a, a area and came out onto a road, and this thing actually jumped over a fence. And it, as we kind of recall it, it seems as though this thing grabbed on top of a, uh, the fence and pulled itself, kind of flipped itself over the fence and ran across a fire road and did the same thing on the other side. And then let, kind of uh, landed in the Iron Man, you know, where the hands down, knees down, whatever, and uh, staring at us and kind of growling. And yeah, it was time to get out of there at that point. So <laughs> what was going through your mind at this time? Um, that it was real. <laughs> so we're like, yeah, okay, there is something here in the woods that's uh, pretty big, pretty big, pretty hairy, and pretty fast. <laughs> And it was right next to your home. Not my home, no, but in the area, yeah. It was, yeah, yeah. And I wouldn't say, when you say home, I don't want people to think that it's, uh, you know, kind of like neighborhood or anything like that. It was still very rural there. I mean, um, I mean, people were close, but not as close as they are now. Right, right. So that was your first experience, 12 to 14. So what happened after that? Um, well, the three of us came home and we were like, okay, we're going to each sit down and write out our own. This is before any of these Bigfoot shows or, you know, whatever, uh, research shows, uh, we are going to sit down we're each going to write out what happened and we're going to, you know, not exchange in, in between us, what I saw, what you saw, what you heard, what I heard. And then we were going to compare notes. And so that's that we did that actually immediately coming after coming back to the house. And uh, I used to have that somewhere. I don't know if I still do. We we made a joke that we were going to seal them up and keep them for when we're old. Be about time, I guess, to cash that in. (laughs) So what led you after you had that encounter? What progressed you on to experience more with the Bigfoots and the cryptids and being in that field? Um, well, when, uh, you know, you, you grew up and you get sidetracked as an adult and forget about things and you always want to look back to your youth and things you used to do. Um, as my kids got older and, of course, started going out in the woods doing fishing and camping and stuff, um, and about this time, all those TV shows had started coming out. Uh, I think the first one was Finding Bigfoot. Uh, and I was like, well, you know, heck, we used to do that, kind of. And so uh, I had moved to Georgia here, and I hadn't uh, made a whole lot of really close friends as far as going out in the woods or doing anything adventuresome like that. And so uh, I was like, you know, I'm going to see if I can find somebody, that, you know, like-minded people and do that. Uh, it turns out there's a lot of people in public safety, um, you know, fire, EMS, PD, uh, rescue that uh, <laughs> also do that. So I made quite a few good friends. I joined uh, uh, a team. Uh, actually, I'm on two teams. Um, and so I've learned more from them than I think uh, they've probably ever learned from me um, just by going out in the woods. And yeah, it's uh, I, I made reference to this earlier about people wanting to pull up beside the road and, you know, see if they can get a little whoop or a knock or something. If you want to have an experience with Bigfoot, you got to get out in the woods. You don't, you know, you can't uh, 
you can't stay at home and do it. You got to get out there and do it. And you got to keep an open mind. But the main thing is go out and have fun. Just go out and be in the woods, relax, enjoy. If something's going to happen, it's going to happen. You're not going to force it. So. so what was your next encounter? Um, hmm. Well, I know looking back after having learned quite a few of the things I've learned, um, I actually had an encounter in Tennessee that I, really hadn't given much thought to until I got to know some of these other people uh, and learn about things that are outside of our normal realm. Um, So uh, I remember one time on my aunt's farm, and I I was probably actually younger than I was before I saw the Mount Vernon monster. Um, We uh, would always, uh, I mean, it was, we didn't have the internet or cable or all that. You were outside during the summer. Uh, <laughs> I remember, and my uncle was a veterinarian, so he he had this huge farm and uh, orchard. And um, I remember hearing this bull one night just stomping and huffing, and it sounded like it was like hitting something. And uh, went inside, and I told my uh, aunt and uncle, I was like, "The bull is sounding kind of pissed off <laughs> up, on the, up at the top of the ridge," and they're like, "Oh, we don't have a bull." Never gave it another thought. Uh, until later in life so uh, i think that was probably an encounter that uh, whatever whatever was up there didn't want me outside um but <laughs> um as far as later in life um when when i came to georgia here um and met some of the people in the group one of my uh, first ventures was uh probably i don't want to say uh, everybody describes when you say you've gotten zapped by bigfoot which is uh, you get this tingling, feeling, buzzing kind of memory loss kind of feeling. I think I had that happen one night in a in a tent right after I came here. And usually, what happens is once you have some kind of adventure or something, say adventure, some kind of uh, encounter with something, at first you don't think about it. Um, I mean, you either were expecting it or you were scared crapless and run, um, or Later, you look at it and go, hey, wait a minute. Is that what that was? So that was probably uh, my next most memorable thing. (laughs) And where did that take place? Um, That was in uh, northwest Georgia, yeah. Up in, uh, I guess it would be a portion of uh, the Appalachian Trail area. Yeah, there's a lot of hot spots in there. Was you with your group at that time when it happened? Uh, yeah, yeah, I was with a group when that happened, yeah. And they had had other activity. Um, I think it was before I showed up that weekend. I think I was late um, coming in that weekend. So I think they had already had some stuff go on. But, um, yeah, that was kind of a first for me. So you're saying activity happened before you got there. Mm-hmm. Uh, describe the activity that, that everybody encounters, because I'm I'm hearing different things from different parts of the country of the world and so forth um well yeah we don't uh i'm not involved with a group that actually has any type of encounter where we uh, do mind speak or speak to them or swap gifts or you know anything like that so there's no activity like that usually when we say activity we're what uh, we do is when we're out in the woods during the day we'll go and um you know just hike and explore and enjoy the area uh, look for signs of uh, large animals or any animals, and um, 
at night, usually, um, you know, you will have whoops, knocks, uh, things thrown at you. That's always fun. Um, stuff like that. Uh, occasionally, you'll have some a sighting, but usually the things that uh, you see and hear are more from a distant. Um, but I'm always leery now because I've learned that usually if there's one large bipedal creature, there's more than one. So really, yeah, they. Um, but I mean, if if they do um, exist out there, they've obviously learned to evade us for quite some time, and you know they know that we have uh, firearms, fire, light, things like that, and they don't like those things. So. Basically, we go out in the woods camping. Uh, a friend of mine refers it, to it as "we're their cable TV." So, <laughs> and I've really come. Go, well, well, I mean, I've come to think of it that way because he's right. He's one hundred percent right. If you think about it, because we go out in the woods for us to get away from all of this, and we're in their fish tank. You know, we're in their backyard. So we're the new or unusual thing. So during the years, the 20 plus years, I mean, let's walk through some of that, some of this history. <laughs> let's walk through uh-huh. some of your, your adventures, your expeditions and, and tell us how things happened and, and what <laughs> happened to the team or what happened to you or what went down and so forth. Um, well, you know, we've had uh, several Good encounters. We've had some that were kind of scary. Um, but I, and when I say kind of scary, I consider kind of scary as to where something we had to kind of drop back and go, hmm, <laughs> were we supposed to be involved in that? Um, not where we were physically harmed or anybody was hurt or anything like that. Um, you know, sometimes, you know, I remember one night uh, me and a teammate uh, had went four-wheeling up in uh, the north uh, Georgia mountains. And we went to this rural rural area on top of a peak on, on top of a mountain. And, uh, we'd had a great time four wheeling and we, I think brought steak and potatoes and whatever we were going to, we were going to cook and eat and sit and look at the sunset from the mountain. And, uh, <laughs> about uh, midnight, one o'clock, um, I was all snuggled in and, uh, I started hearing this tink, 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 tink. And I'm like, what the heck is that? And you learn it if you want the adventure to continue, you don't make any sudden moves, you don't turn on any lights, you don't do anything startling, because if so, it's you're done for the night. So you kind of lay there and I'm listening. And I realized it was gravel hitting the aluminum table, the side of the vehicles, and the tent. Uh, <laughs> that was oh, wow. Now, we were we were pretty far uh, pretty far up on top of that mountain and and uh, in fact the other person I was with we had uh, rescued some people so we knew we were probably the only ones up there still um, at least in a very very uh, distance. That's crazy. That's crazy. Yeah, so, but and once again the guy that uh, he was in uh, his tent. He said, uh, "Yeah, he said, Clint, do you hear that?" <laughs> as soon as there was talking and movement, it all went quiet for the night. 
So when you go out with your groups and stuff, I mean, you say you don't intend to come across encounters. Mm-hmm. You let them come to you. Did I, do, I, do I understand that right? Yeah, yeah. I mean, we will go out into the woods uh, hiking and looking and, you know, seeing what we can find, but it's not, uh, we're not a production company. We're not going to go out there with 15 cameras and all kinds of stuff. We're going to go out there with some basic research equipment, some recorders, some cameras, but not like a whole camera crew. And usually it's limited to, we split up into teams of two or three. Um, We've learned for safety reasons uh, and not just because of, um, large animals, but it could be uh, people um, to stay in groups um, because not everybody out in the woods uh, is, is your friend. So uh, we've, uh, we've stayed together and we usually will split up only into tombs or two or three and go out. And, and of course I'm usually the communications guy and uh, we'll stay in touch by radio. When was the first time you actually saw besides the Mount Vernon monster that you actually saw Sasquatch? Um, hmm. Well, uh, like I said, the Mount Vernon monster growing up, um, I've seen some things in the North Georgia mountains that my mind says is probably a uh, Bigfoot, but I'm not 100%. I'm still one of these people that's very skeptical about things. Uh, one night when we were out researching an area in Alabama, um, me and another teammate had been up late, um, and we were both getting ready to hit the bunk, and uh, I decided uh, she was going to use the little portable or tree, and I decided to go find a tree before we uh, crashed for the night, and uh, <laughs> so I go on the opposite side of the camp, and um, I'm sitting there, and we're well, I'm sitting, I'm standing there. And we're beside a uh, stream, and it's not like a river, but it's a pretty fast-moving stream. So there's some, you know, there's some background noise. Very peaceful sleep with. Um, and I start noticing there's like a fog, and I thought, well, gosh, it's kind of odd. And it's late, um, and I notice this fog just kind of goes downstream. All of a sudden, I notice directly on the other side of the stream from me, um, there was. Uh, something standing in the fog and 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 um i was trying to make it out of course it's a good time while you're peeing there to be doing this um you know what it was <laughs> yeah literally and um so i i and there's a shape to it it's a tall bipedal thing a creature of some sort and okay and i'm thinking to myself all right well this is happening um but I couldn't, I didn't want to break eye contact with it, or not eye contact, but I didn't want to break where I could physically see it. Um, because usually once that happens, it's gone, or or whatever it was you thought you saw or you were seeing is no longer there. And uh, so <laughs> I was calling out for my teammate. I was like, hey, <laughs> you over there? Anybody else awake? And uh, so... And just like clockwork, I turned and uh, called out for her. And, and as soon as come back, she had the thermal camera and all the equipment, and it was gone. And uh, wow. 
later the next uh, day, um, I say later because it's really late at night. Um, the uh, team leader and I were talking about this, and he goes, "Well, you've seen the Alabama White Fang, Alabama White Fang." So I had to come home and do a little bit of research, and apparently, um, as I described, this very tall, outlineish creature with red eyes, uh, white uh, coat of fur, I guess. Uh huh. Um, it, it, I described had never heard of the Alabama white thing, but I described to a perfect uh, T exactly what it was. So that was my encounter with the Alabama white thing. Wow. And once again, wasn't looking for it. <laughs> it found me. Wow. So I know over 20 plus years, you have some, some pretty good stories to tell. I mean, you have to. Um, <laughs> I don't know when uh, when I was still new to the team. Um, the leader of the team, uh, he's like, I've got this guy calling. He goes, I don't want you to research and see if you know there's really anything down on this property. And uh, so I talked to the guy for a while. I'm usually pretty uh, conservative, pretty laid back, and um. I won't really uh, divulge or get involved much until I have some type of relationship, whether I've talked to you or, you know, met you or something. And uh, so the job I had at the time with this uh, uh, guy uh, or during the period where I met this guy, um, I would work for two weeks and then I would be home for a week or sometimes longer. Sometimes it would be just the opposite gone for a week home for two. But um, so I said, all right, well, you know, now I've talked to you on Facebook, on the internet, and you know we've exchanged information. Um, I've contacted some of my police buddies to make sure you're not an axe murderer. Uh, <laughs> I'll come right. down. It. Well, you know, there's uh, there's people out there that are, you know, they don't mean to do you well. So, um, so I went down to this guy's uh, property. It was him and uh, his sister, and uh, I think it was his sister's fiance at the time. I'm not sure, but. Um, they all lived in this real rural area in uh, South Georgia. And uh, so we went out and we hiked around. He showed me things. And I was like, yeah, you could probably have some creatures here. I said, but you could have, you know, other things. Because it's the, it's best to lean on the side of it's probably something else. than then everything's Bigfoot. God, I hate that. Uh, draw me some red circles, for God's sakes. But uh, so, right. so we... Uh, we had been out and about and I think we come back and we maybe had uh, some hamburgers on the grill and was kind of chilling out and have a cigar at the, you know, sitting on the back of my pickup truck talking. And, uh, I started hearing, uh, some whistles and so I'm talking to the guy and, uh, you know, he's, uh, he, and he's probably more of an avid outdoorsman than I was. He liked to go out and hunt in the middle of the night and do all kinds of things like that, which I never did. But, um, he, uh, uh so I'm listening to him. We're talking. I was like, you hear that? You're what? And I point out to him, he goes, oh, that's a some kind of bird at night or something. I don't know. And uh, I was like, um, I don't think so. <laughs> so we uh, we kept going. And finally, I was like, all right, curiosity's got me too much. I, I've got to find out what this is. So um, he was still saying it was birds. And uh, OK, cool. Let's go for a walk. So. Uh, and I was like, this is this guy's got something down here and it's not used to having people look for it. 
which is what kind of made this more entertaining for me. And uh, so we went uh, hiking around and we heard one off to one side and we heard one off to another side. And so I just threw out a whistle similar to, you know, what it was doing. This thing came to me. <laughs> I mean, not like a dog would come to you, obviously, but I could hear with its whistling, it moved closer. And uh, I was like, well, that's new. Yeah. And at, like I said, at that point in time, I hadn't learned as much as I have now. So uh did uh, some things probably that was kind of stupid, but um, I decided that I was going to start going towards it. And uh, we got to probably within two or three bushes apart. Um, oh, my gosh. Yeah. And I was all in at that point in time, except to the fact of I just didn't go far enough. Um, but I had a flashlight, so I had the thing pinned down behind the bushes um, directly in front of me, um, probably, I don't know, 50 feet maybe at, at most away from me. And I heard every type of bird I've ever heard in my entire life. Uh, I heard cows. I heard horses. Every kind of noise you could possibly imagine from the wildlife uh was just on the other side of those bushes and uh wow and and it was very loud very intense uh it was at this point it started screaming and i was like you know i i, sh I wanted to go in so bad but i didn't um I still sometimes think man i wish i had done that and other times i'm like what the hell were you thinking but uh right. <laughs> we uh um the guy that owned the property at this point in time, he was becoming very unnerved because he had never heard things like that come out of the woods, especially in South Georgia. And um, something, I can't remember exactly how it happened, but something broke, I think, behind us, or there was a loud noise behind us. And I was trying to stay focused in front of me, but he was kind of intent on, we need to get out of here. And he made some noise and I turned. And as soon as I turned, it was like a dump truck running through the woods screaming. Um, we did end up seeing, um, I thought I saw, uh, it looked like down, uh, like a little, not a little alley, but a little path in the woods that I saw a leg go across the pathways. I was trying to make my way out, but, um, I can't swear to it because that happened so quick, but uh, that was probably my most intense moments uh, when I was, when I was brave Glenn <laughs> trying to wow. research it. And of course, when I come back, I tell everybody, I was like, yeah, he's got something down there. And I told him what they did. And they were like, yeah, he probably should have done that. Thanks guys. You told me a little sooner. <laughs> wow. You know, one of the questions that always comes up when I talk to people that has encounters, is Bigfoot, will they harm you? Um, you know, you hear about people going missing in the woods all the time. Um, will they have? I can't legitimately say yes, but I would not rule it out. Um, because if it's evolved enough to have a brain, it's had to defend itself from something being out in the wild. Um, True. And it's probably used to being the largest predator in the woods. So that would make it more aggressive. Now, 
will it rip you from limb to limb and beat you to death? I don't know. But I think a person would be foolish to try and challenge that. Um, I mean, that's like trying to encourage a dog to bite you. Why would you do that? So, <laughs> well, from what I hear, there are people that have actually shot some, and uh, it has not ended well. <laughs> that's what I heard. Let's hear what you've heard. Um, well, there was a group down in uh, southern U.S. that uh, actually went and hunted them. And um, when I say hunted, I don't mean they would, like, uh, you know, go into the national parks or something. They would go onto people's property that were requested their service. And um, I have been told from pretty legitimate sources that they have scoped and fired at one and then basically all hell broke loose uh, because there were others in the immediate area. And um, they had to basically de-ass the, <laughs> the area in in a militarily tactful style. Oh, so, wow. Yeah. Um, I don't know that, uh, and I don't support shooting or hunting them, but I don't know that... Uh, that's probably a bright idea because like I said, I've from all the experiences I've had and from what I've heard, they usually travel in a minimum of pairs. Wow. And if you've got something that's, you know, seven, eight foot tall, 900 pounds can move through the woods with the grace of a deer. Um, we're out of our element where you do not stand a chance. That'd be like us trying to swim with piranhas. It wouldn't work too well because we we're in their backyard so well and you know you talk about people go missing and that's a good topic you know to touch on uh the appalachian trail <laughs> that runs all the way up uh you know towards the east coast uh you got the alaska triangle you know people when they just go missing with their hunters and guns never show up. Their clothes never show up. Backpacks, you know, and not even that, but it, it, it's it's across America in some of the state parks and local parks that people go missing as well. Mm -hmm. And uh, to me, you know, I think the government knows about it. That's my official opinion on record. I think the government covers it up because it's a money-making business, the parks. I think government has Bigfoot because back in 99, I looked it up. I couldn't remember what year. We had that forest fire out west. Mm -hmm. Two firefighters were working on or came across of a large, hairy man. Three quarters of the body was burned. And they were attending to it. And the military showed up and recovered the body and told them, you didn't see this. You were not here. You will not speak <laughs> to this. And took the body and went off. And for 50 years, if you or your family talks, you'll pay. Yeah, I've heard similar stories. So, so I had at one point in time a, uh, a photo that a firefighter, a wildland firefighter had sent me um, that they 
had an encounter in. It was a picture of the firefighters' uh, feet in a footprint of a uh, very large creature. So, yeah. Yeah, I, I believe you're probably right on some of that. Well, it's weird because on the West Coast, when people report sightings of these creatures, the government ends up taking over the land and calling it a sanctuary. Yeah. And it's happening a lot. Um, what are we supposed to expect? What, what are we supposed to think about that? Does anybody think about what our government does? Uh, I think uh, I think there's two different mindsets when it comes to uh, North American Bigfoot. I think the West Coast is more open, and they just kind of keep quiet about things. Uh, whereas on the East Coast, because it's such a smaller condensed area. I think the people uh, tend to be more vocal about what's going on, except maybe in some rural areas of the South. But um, I think out in the West Coast, um, they've pretty much come to the conclusion, yet, yeah, there's something out here and we share it with it and we're going to stay at you know, peace with it. And I do know some areas in East Tennessee. Um, I know some people that have land that they believe to have uh, – creatures on and pretty much the same with them nothing to see here it's just another day out in the woods so i think a lot of it is mindset um and you know if you believe all the stuff about the government they know everything that you know they're like god so (laughs) they know everything so you know perhaps they do know well you know i mean the ufos the government knows about that it's been a cover-up for decades yeah, they're you just know, releasing a lot of that info. And it is coming out. Uh, the, what is it, the National Freedom Act or something? Mm-hmm. Is that what it's uh, called? For, uh, well, I think the Freedom of Information Act is what yes. a lot of people are using to, yes. to get to, stuff. So, yeah. To withdraw and abstract information. And mm-hmm. do I believe that the government has UFOs and hangers? Absolutely. I mean, we're in 2022, and I'm sitting here in front of a laptop. I got a board in front of me. I got cell phones. And you go back 100 years, and we were in a horse and buggy. Mm -hmm. Look how much we have grown and expand. You know, for goodness sake, Hitler had a flying saucer. That nobody wanted to even come come to and said yes he did until the footage showed up and it was played, <laughs> but they never found the saucer. So how did he get that technology? How did he get the technology? What he was working on with his scientists? Where did all this technology come from? You know it 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 has to come from somewhere. Now they're they're telling us ancient civilizations had technology that are better than us today. I don't see how. You know, like the structure or the pyramids. 
But, you know, going back to Sasquatch and cryptids, uh, I do believe government knows about it. I do believe the government hides it. Uh, the state parks is a uh, money-making <coughs> I think there's a billion-dollar industry on that, if not trillions. You know, and and now, I don't know if it's true or not, but around Kentucky and some other states, you're seeing signs posted. What to do if you see a Sasquatch? I've seen those, um, but I can't now, say that I've ever seen a... Uh actual representative from the government put them up or acknowledge them, but I have seen those, yes. But Somebody could print it up and made it and put it out there themselves. I don't know, but there are, yeah, I've seen those too. Right. I, I question some the of trail. them. I'm like, I'm like, how did that, you know, get there? But, you know, there's also people that just like to play practical jokes. So. And, <laughs> Who and knows? don't get me wrong. I know there's a little Johnny out there drunker in a Scooty Brown skunk. <laughs> Trying to play jokes on on everybody in, in the woods. You've got to be careful. You know, they always ask me, Grizzly, watch this video. Is this real or, or is this fake? And my first response is, is, first, I wasn't there and I didn't take the video. So I can't answer that. Yeah, I agree. I never try and debunk somebody's... Um, Proof. It's not my job. Um, and it's not my job to prove to anybody that, you know, there is a large hairy creature that roams the woods. Uh, it's, you know, if they want to find that, they can go out there in the woods and they can do the same thing I did and go camping. That's what I recommend. Go camping, spend time outside, get grounded, open your mind. Um, so it's not my job. Uh, it's not my job. So I, I get people will send me photos and things. Um, you know, I wasn't there. I can't see them or say say that I saw them. Um, and I can't also uh, say that that's not what somebody else saw. Uh, now, I get pictures of trees. Oh, Lord, I get circle pictures. You know, and, and, and it's circled and they're like Bigfoot's right there. Look closely. It's it's cloaked. <laughs> it's staring at me. And when I say you know, dog, ladies and gentlemen, I'm talking like Predator, <laughs> like Predator off the movie. Oh, no, I'm not going to say that I don't, I don't think they can't do that, but um, there's an interesting book out, um, Quantum Bigfoot by um, his name escapes me. Um, anyhow, uh, Quantum Bigfoot uh, is probably the best read I've read on uh that uh because it talks about um not just what we see and hear but how we physically see and hear because we're seeing you know reflections of light we're seeing uh the vibrations of things um cause you know movement light um and this person um that wrote the book uh I've talked with him actually uh has got some pretty sound arguments that they could be using some type of natural defense that it, I, I don't want you say cloaking everybody thinks uh star trek and i think a predator well predator that was a decent movie by the way that just came out 
Um, yeah, it was. I watched it. I, I enjoyed it. You know, the, you know the little girl that played that never never acted in her life. No, no. And yeah, you know the the, the dog that came from there was actually here from uh, South Georgia. So really, <laughs> yeah, it was a it was a rescue dog. So oh, it, had, it had never had any training before that. So wow. Yeah. Um, so I don't know that uh, they can't do that, but do I believe they you know snap their fingers and throw some invisible force field out in front of them? That seems a bit far fetched, but then again. How do you have things that suddenly just disappear? Well, let me let me tap on that. Now, oh, there is technology that we have. I yes. have personally witnessed it. Mm -hmm. And I don't know if you, uh, ladies and gentlemen, across the world from coast to coast, knows what a rat shield looks like. It's something that the police holds in front of them. And it curves around them to protect them from either bullets or things or objects being thrown at them. But when they put this shield in front of them, it goes invisible. They disappear. Mm -hmm. Now, how do they bend that light in fractions of the light? How this technology does that, I don't know. They got to have it get it from somewhere. Well, I know um, I'm fascinated by uh, planes aviation. I do know that uh, some of the early attempts at uh, stealth and maybe still in use, I don't know, but um, they had basically cameras that were glued to uh, the top of the plane and mirrors that were on the bottom of the plane that were screens and the cameras would actually record what was above them and project below them what it saw and they weren't technically invisible but you couldn't see them uh, there's oh. quite there's there's some really cool videos on that uh, that's that's probably I'll say 80s. I don't know, but it's it's uh, real early technology when they were trying to uh, hide. Um, so there's a, well, and if you break down you know, anatomy and physiology the way we see and hear, um, you can trick our eyes and ears very easily. So yeah, I don't know that advanced te techniques would need to be done for certain things, but um yeah you can you know you can uh, cloak yourself in in nature and not be seen oh, it'd, be is, hard. It'd, it'd be hard for us to do but that's well, i'll say us being myself who doesn't practice that but here's here's another loop one for you there mr jackson oh, no. you're sitting there you're following a set of tracks let's <laughs> call them footprints those okay. are large and huge, mostly. Mm -hmm. And they walk out into the middle of the field or something, and they just stop, and it disappears. Mm -hmm. Yep. Where do they go? I've personally seen that, yes. It's always what a fascinating happened? question. It's always a fascinating question. Um, 
I do believe this is my personal experience. This doesn't necessarily reflect my team or anybody associated with it, but um, I do believe that they have some uh, type of, uh, I'm going to go out on a limb here and call it ET, but some type of uh, advantage from uh, technology in some ways. So I think that they, uh, there may be some type of extraterrestrial connection with them. I don't know how, or I don't know why, but, that's just I heard that from things I've seen. Yeah. And I heard a lot of people have seen Bigfoot with the little gray aliens together on the spaceship as they are being probed and implanted. <laughs> so, uh, okay. once Don't again, have first-hand experience on that. On that. Not, right. <laughs> yeah. And, and like I tell people, I wasn't there. I didn't take the video. Scroll on. Don't, no. don't leave a nasty emoji or. Don't leave a response because, you know, maybe it was something there. Well, what What is your reality as compared to what is mine? Do you exist once I turn this camera off? <laughs> you know, so what is no, what is great. somebody's perception as, as to mine? It's just basically the way I feel like it's somebody else's opinion. Well, another one I always get is... Oh, here comes another blurry picture. A little blob squatch, yeah. Yeah, yeah blob, blob squatch. Well, yeah, ladies and gentlemen, from I don't know that we're going to get a good world, photo. There's been actual documentation that Bigfoot somehow interferes with like electronics. I don't know if it's oh. electronic magnetic magnetic field. I don't know oh. if it's something they put out, but it drains batteries and it, it makes does. cameras go blurry. I don't it, I have no idea. Yeah. Cards get erased, things get yeah, yeah, yeah. Um yeah, if you go back to thinking about them on the quantum theory, um how do you how do we know that that isn't some way of disrupting all of it that either they've had the technology or they can, I'm going to use the word emit, but um, somehow share that signal. I mean, you know, even PD has, um, uh, what do they call them, where you can uh, kill all the radio signal around you for a certain period of, or a certain radius. Yeah, you know, that's kill all the RF. So we obviously know that there is something that can do that, how do we know that they either don't have the technology or that uh, they're not getting assisted? Yeah, maybe yeah. we're the aliens and uh, they were here first. It's a thought. Well, <laughs> we're no, certainly not adapted. And stuff, and you see UFOs, you see Bigfoots on mm -hmm. the drawn and painted on the ceilings and walls. And we've certainly become accustomed to living inside of our fancy uh, tents with uh, hard roofs and, you know, our heat and our air. So we're not uh, out there in the wilderness 24-7. So well, I don't know. How, how do you know? How do you know? I mean, I mean, I'm not and I don't intend to be one of these diehard guys that uh, goes off the grid and drinks crick water and uh has the smell of smoke in my house 365 days a year. <laughs> I kind of like, come to used to my accommodations. But and if if they are out there, how do we know that uh, 
you know, they're like I said, they're the biggest predator out there. They they've survived out there longer than us, and it's wow. proven that we can't stay out there too long by ourselves, even if we try. So that's that that's true. And let me make this valid point. So in the past, we have found samples of hair. Mm-hmm. We have found samples of scat. Mm-hmm. And it always comes back inconclusive. Mm-hmm. Now, there's a reason why it does that. It's not coming back to any well-known animal in North America. Mm-hmm. So now they came out with, it was I think it was last year or a year and a half ago, it's called eDNA. And I think you and I talked about this one night. They can go up to any river, creek, stream, pond, lake, take a sample of that water and tell you what animals live in that area, have been through that water, has used the restroom in that water, Mm -hmm. have traveled through that water Mm -hmm. by using a filter technique and doing an eDNA abstract. Mm -hmm. And each time they do the test, it always comes back 98% human and 2% unknown priming. Well, a lot of people don't think nothing about it. But if you look at chimpanzees, they are 98% human and 2% primate. So it's really not that big of a difference. 2% in DNA is a lot. Mm-hmm. But in reality, us thinking by numbers, we think it's nothing. No. So we got the evidence. The government's got the bodies. You know, people are seeing something. Mm-hmm. You know, the guy I just interviewed from the UK, you know, he saw Green Man. Green Man dates back to the, you know, two or 3,000 years ago. They got him in every church. They got him in stained glass windows. You know, he looks like a tree and he's got, you know, things around his head. And I mean, it's, it's all over. Hmm. You know, it's check that over. out. I mean, it's it, a green man. So, you know, he he uh, came across it while he was fifteen, and with a bunch of friends out partying, and he woke up and he saw it and freaked out, and covered himself back up, and when he went home and told his mom, his mom saw it when she was a kid. People in the area knew about it. So there are things that are walking this earth that we do not know about and do not want to believe they exist. Mm-hmm. You know, one I of agree. the TV shows that I love to watch, and I, I want everybody to try to watch it and find it, YouTube it, Google it, whatever. It's called Paranormal Caught on TV. And it's it, it's a show where people use everyday cell phones and they capture things on camera recording or pictures that's unexplainable. 
this one guy was driving, stopped his car, and found a pterodactyl flying in the sky. Now, wait a minute. <laughs> they studied his cell phone. They studied the footage. There was no way for him to Photoshop that, to alter his footage from the phone. But it was alive, breathing, pterodactyl flying. So it came from out of one dimension into ours and went somewhere else. Mm. Interesting. You know, and you, you hear about encounters like that. You know, so when when I talk to people and people want to tell me their story or their encounter, you know, I will always listen. I, you know, I'm not here to judge. Oh, it's like I said, it's not my job or to tell you it did or didn't happen or to validate it. No. Or to, or to validate your beliefs. So, um, Well, let me ask you this. What's that? What's your next encounter? Hmm. <laughs> well, I'll tell you what, this COVID surely has uh, that enough. Spent past two years uh, uh, trying to just stay afloat. Um, right. I think uh, I'd like to get back out in the woods more. I haven't spent nearly as much time out in the woods as uh, wanted to this year. Um, the winter's coming. I've got some family up in the Northeast. I might go experiment, experiment, explore uh, some up in the Northeast. Um, I try to remember what it's like to be really cold again. Um, <laughs> um, it's probably uh, one of the things that's fascinated me is, uh, um, oh, I don't want to call them Loch Ness, but uh, creatures that uh, are, uh, you know, live in the, live in the woods that are, are in deep bodies of water. That's always fascinated me. Um, I think up uh, along the Chesapeake Bay, there was, uh, uh, there's a fabled sea monster and then there's one up in Vermont. I kind of like to learn more about that. So that would probably be my next adventure. Luckily I can swim too, but not like that. But, you know. <laughs> okay. That would well, probably be next one. This has always been asked to me. Do Bigfoot go through portals? Open portals? Um, portals exist. I do know that. Do they go through them? Um, something does. What do they look like? Oh, what does a portal look like? Yeah. Hmm. That's kind of hard to explain. Basically, um, it's a void. And um, from my experience, once you, because there was two team members that actually stumbled in one, uh, once you are in one, you're totally disoriented and don't know because it's void of sound. It's void of light, um, oh, wow. vibration. Um, so uh, 
it's a void. Is it a tunnel? I don't know. Have I seen anything come or go out of it? Um, I will pimp my team leader, Trey Hudson's book, uh, The Meadow Project. Uh, if you want to ex- learn more about portals, um, or you should have Trey on your show, uh, he would be the expert on that. Uh, but uh, yeah, I believe there is something there. Do they open naturally? Are they opened by a guy behind a curtain? I don't know. Hmm, interesting. Are they open by our government? I don't know. <laughs> interesting. Well, you know, one of the questions I always get all the time is, is how they travel, like you said, through the woods so quietly. You don't even know they're there. And you see videos on TV where people film themselves in the woods. And then a year later, they go back and watch. And Bigfoot walks right behind them. And they never heard it or mm-hmm. see it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But when I used to go deer hunting, you can hear the deer coming. Mm-hmm. Well, we were had a team out in a uh, field um, watching. Um, and a herd of, a herd, is that right? A group of deer, uh, came into the field silently, quietly, was in the field and nobody saw how they got there. And when they started talking about it on the radio amongst each other and put their night vision down and their cameras down and was talking and went to look back up, they were gone. Where'd they go? Incredible. <laughs> you know, and I, I was not in the field, but I was the communications officer that night. And, you know, we've had people, there was one night where um, we were very deep in an Alabama area. Uh, and we were, I want to say we were the only ones there because you can never say that for a hundred percent, but out of nowhere, this old, is old Ford pickup truck that sounded like it was on its last piston or cylinder and was driving around with coon dogs around the field, which there's no road on and (laughs) saw brake lights, heard it. There was no proof besides from the lights on the camera that it was there. There's no tracks. There was no nothing. Just sound on the, the sound. I don't know. I got nothing for that one. Because I, I, I even commented, I was like, I think you got some coon hunters coming in the woods because I heard them first, and they were like, okay, <laughs> where are you? <laughs> and I was like, yeah, you wow. heard me. And the guys that were local to the team were like, yeah, there's no way. And I guess apparently I'm I'm not a hunter. Apparently it wasn't coon season, I guess. I, oh. I guess there's a season for raccoons. So, uh, <laughs> I mean, not that I guess that would stop anybody if they were out in the woods, but... Uh, <laughs> So yeah, yeah, and that's happened. That's actually happened in Virginia, Virginia, in Georgia, and in Alabama with me. So <laughs> that's really interesting. Yeah, it's kind of cool. Yeah. So what Ghost about other cryptids? Have you ever encounters with other cryptids? Oh, other cryptids. Um, well, I'd like to know if uh, mermaids are real, but no, haven't seen them. Um, I keep up on a lot of things, but I always am hearing new things that are interesting, you know, I've always heard of like Mothman and 
never seen it. I would like to kind of know more about that. I heard recently about a Frogman. Didn't quite know yeah, about I heard that either. About that, yeah. Um, Dogman, I I have not personally seen. I've seen a. I've seen one great photo of one. Um, but I believe they exist. Uh, so, How did the photo look? I mean, what did it look like? Um, there was actually um. I want to say it was two of them, at least two of them. But the photo, um, it was basically, it looked as if a, we'll just say a soldier, somebody dressed in green, more or less, you know, camouflage, was sitting in a field, his hands behind him, leaned back. Um, and it had a very elongated neck and body and the head of a dog. And it looked, from it, it, my first thing was okay. I got to get a better look at this. Um, that's a that's somebody's Doberman Pinscher sitting beside him, and it's just the camera angle. And uh-huh. It wasn't. Um, so that's that, and that's probably been the most. And that was in uh, up around Chattanooga that somebody sent that to me. Uh, and wow. actually, out of uh, you get people, and I don't want to discourage anybody that ever sends me anything. We'll send you stuff all the time, but you get people that'll eventually build a relationship with. And so this person, I finally got to know a little bit and get some more backstory and stuff. And I'm, I feel pretty confident and it was taken far enough away. Um, and once again, it was with an old camera too. I think there's something to that, to that too, um, where you could see, you know, not only there was distance, but you could see, see detail. So I, I that one, I kind of tend to believe. Um, E.T., yeah, they're out there. Um, not a fan. Um, don't. Uh, if you're going to have a counter with E.T., that's on their terms, and you are going to have nothing to say or do about it. You're at their whim because they oh, not wow. only are smarter and more intelligent than us, whether they be from the future or another planet or wherever you think they may come from, uh, they have technology. So you're, you're not going to... Uh, <laughs> you're not going to will yourself an adventure with them unless you go to certain places. <laughs> but, um, so yeah, I do believe there's an ET. There is ET. I think mathematically, um, and I don't stay on topic with uh, anybody about religion or anything like that, but mathematically, I think you would have to seriously reconsider your options. If you look at how large, just the portion of our surroundings. And when I say surroundings, I'm talking galaxies how how small we are in it and mathematically how impossible it would almost be for there not to be something out there. Now, don't come at me and tell me it's algae that's got a brain cell. Uh, it, it's There's something out there. There has to be something out there. I, I just don't see how, you know, and even if you want to dabble in the religious area about it, how do we know? You know, some people like to bass fish. Some people like to, Fish for saltwater fish. How do we know we're not the only fish tank? We don't. So mathematically, I think it would be kind of uh, hard to rule out that there's something else out there. I think we've seen too much up in the air. I think some of the stuff we've seen up in the air is government projects. Don't get well, me wrong. Oh, you know the uh, SR Prime military base. I'm clear. You know the SR Salem Blackbird. That's a good example. The I read a great Obama. report last night of a UFO out of Virginia, actually. Okay. And uh, 
it was funny because uh, I had already formed my conclusions on what it was and what I was reading uh, from the person that sent it to me. And so I just rolled it around to a couple other people and asked their thoughts. And it was our military. I mean, our military is always doing something. It's what we pay them for. They're there to protect us. So they're our first defense against whatever is out there, whether it's, you know, another country or another planet. Well, and, and I, you and I talked, and I told you I have a very close friend that was in the Air Force. And uh, he told me years ago when he came back from overseas uh, that they had technology, the military, that we would not understand or even believe. Mm -hmm. So I had uh, Sergeant Edwards. He was Elvis Presley's sergeant. In the army. Oh. Yep. And he even said the stuff they had back then was 15 to 20 years in advance. And he was trying to explain mm-hmm. some of the stuff they had to me. Mm-hmm. Oh, I, I heard about iPads in the 80s from people I knew in the military. And, of course, I didn't know there were iPads, but, you know, now putting with what they described to you know what we have now i'm like there's an ipad they had an ipad in the 80s <laughs> so i don't know you know there's there's too much unexplained out there you know people ask me about dog man and you and i talk and and i and my thoughts are and and i could be wrong ladies and gentlemen I think Dogman is a demon from hell that's been released from the gates of hell to come up on the earth, earth and cause havoc amongst us. You know, then, then you bring religion into it and everybody freaks out and they don't want to talk about religion and cryptids. And, but actually it goes hand in hand. You know, what What was it called when God threw out a third of his angels from heaven? What was that called? I can't remember. Oh, um... <laughs> I don't remember. I know, yeah, yeah. Yeah, some people so gated into that. Please type it in into the little <sighs> over there. Well, some or, people dated you know. it as to what nineteen forty four, I believe. So, but anyways, um, if, if if you read the scripture, God said He cast a third of His angels out of heaven. He did not say He cast them into hell. He said out of heaven. So that tells me the only other place he cast them onto was Earth. So are they what are what we seen? I don't know. I don't know. Yeah, that you got me on that one. I don't know. Yeah, I mean it's unexplainable. So what about Dogman? What are your thoughts actually on this? 
Well, I, I mean, we're hearing more and more of Dogman <laughs> coming up. We're seeing more and more encounters with people with Dogman. You know, um, I don't have a lot of firsthand experience with Dogman, um, but I am more of belief that they may be, I don't know, different. I'll probably use the wrong word here, species, different races, different evolutions of some type of uh, bipedal creature. So, well, I mean, and we could be too. Um, but I do believe that they are much more nefarious than other creatures out there. So I believe that they are, they are, I, I don't want to say the word evil, but I don't believe that there is, there's not much good in them. I'll say they're evil. Mm-hmm. I've never heard a good thing about them. And <laughs> uh, I know somebody that's probably listening right now gave me a copy of an autopsy report that seemed legit. It had the actual stamps, the seals, and the signature from the doctor that performed it. And as I was reading it, Compared to the descriptions of the wounds and what caused the death, surfied of death was a pack of dogs. Now, lacerations so many inches wide, so many inches deep, where the lacerations were. A pack of dogs, I think, my opinion, would probably bite, 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 maybe take a chunk out of you and take off running. They're definitely not going to rip your arms out of your socket. So, something happened there. Yeah. Well, having uh, been the victim of and ran uh, multiple times uh, calls, people have been attacked by animals. Um yeah. Don't disagree. The rake. Past 10 years. It's becoming more and more out. And like I told a gentleman the other night on my podcast, you know, it's because all these phones we have with cameras, people are taking video. Mm-hmm. They're hearing noises outside, and they're filming it. Is there anything new under the sun? I mean, well, I don't really? know anymore. <laughs> you know, I mean, well, new to you, maybe. Well, yeah, right, right. I mean, I get invited all the time to go on expeditions, investigations, and and I always say I can't carry enough ammo, and I probably <laughs> couldn't be able to run fast enough with the guns I have, and. Well, we're not an old kill, no shoot. You know, I'm not either, but if the dang thing attacks me or gets too close, you know, I want something to fire off. I think it's always best to have protection, whether it's from a a large creature or a two-legged creature. So, yeah, I I, I do believe that it's always best to be protected in the woods. Yeah, there you go. (laughs) I don't disagree with you there. Before I let you go, Mr. Jackson. Oh, Lord. That's right. One more question. Oh, gosh. 
what has been your worst experience with Sasquatch during the 20 years you have been researching boots on the ground? Um, huh. Well, I won't call it a... I think something was involved, whether it was the Sasquatch, whether it was E.T., Dogman, I don't know. Um, we had been out in the woods uh, uh, doing what we do. Um, I'd had my Jeep, and uh, the other person had their Land Cruiser, and we were out just four-wheeling, and I think we ended up, we started, gosh, we started in Georgia, and I think we ended up in North Carolina. Uh, had a blast. Just been out having a good time, and we ended up in this off the grid way out swampy area uh and uh, it's quite beautiful very peaceful there's no one around us um we had uh you know set up camp and uh decided we were just gonna hang out and enjoy the woods and the next morning we'd ride out um i'd built the fire uh had a nice fire going we had uh you know nice meal you know a couple little beers by the campfire go to bed and you know and we we didn't go out at night hiking and looking for things um that night but at about two or three in the morning i experienced uh you know what is medically identifiable as a night terror and um i don't i can't say that it wasn't in my head and it wasn't outside of my tent but what my brain perceived and what i perceived were two different things and my brain wouldn't let me out uh whether it was in fear or for a medical reason uh that shook me um because uh the other person i was camping with he's law enforcement uh he rolled out of his uh tent with his glock ready to start shooting because (laughs) noises he heard (laughs) and i was uh that was paralyzed. I knew everything that was going on around me in my head. I did at least, and I couldn't escape it. And so that actually, uh, left me, uh, out of the woods for a while, almost a year because of, uh, that experience. Now, um, yeah, him and I have talked extensively about this. Um, he's in the medical field as well. Um, and so many weird things looking back happened. You know, the next morning when we got up, um, when I finally went back to sleep after this event, um, because he shook me awake, basically. Um, there was a uh, log that had been cut in half or split, and it had burned. I intentionally left it on top of the fire pit inside the ring of stones. It it couldn't go outside the ring of stones and I left it intentionally to where it was burning the inside out. So it was the round side was up. Right. And it would be just enough. We weren't worried about heat. We're just, you know, light it around the campfire at night. Um, It had been moved outside of the ring and up a hill. Up a hill doesn't sound right, but a couple feet that, even if it could have rolled, it couldn't have went uphill. There was no way. And he he asked me, why'd you do that? And I said, why'd I do that? Why'd you do that? 
and it had been put out huh. sprayed with water now there was a creek nearby so i mean it's, i don't know but yeah that 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 night left me uh i didn't go out in the woods for a while after that because and i, I got another good friend that i talked to about it uh, he's paramedic also and we talked about the night terror and stuff and uh he's like well that could happen two years from now or could never happen again or 20 years from now he said so you just gotta you know your team will take care of you if you can <laughs> which you know i'm gonna scare the heck out of him i guess if it uh, if it happens but um i know my friend he was certainly like what in the heck is going on you know going from a dead sleep to where he hears what sounds like somebody screaming and fighting <laughs> and wrestling in their tent <laughs> wow Unbelievable. Yep. Yeah, yep. Yeah, that was, and like I said, was that Bigfoot? I don't know. Was it ET? I don't know. I know that it, it shook me up enough to where I said, I don't want to, I don't want to be out in the woods and <laughs> have this happen again. Unbelievable, ladies and gentlemen. Glenn Jackson, our guest. Today. A lot of interesting things. I said he's always too modest. I always have to try to abstract things out of him. He's got a lot more inside to tell. Maybe I can get him back on the show soon and get some more information out of him. Go buy Trey's book. I'm a whole chapter in there. Trey's book. Trey Hudson. I want to see if we get him on the show. Huh? Ladies and gentlemen, Grizzly the Paranormal at gmail.com. That's Grizzly the Paranormal at gmail.com. If you want to be a guest on the show, please email me. Tell me what you experience. We'll talk and we'll go from there. Ladies and gentlemen, once again, Grizzly from Lexington, Kentucky, from coast to coast and around the world. I want to say good evening, and I'll see you at 8 p.m. Eastern Time tonight. Everybody take care. Until next time.